and welcome to Lipstick and Tea. We are your hosts, Brianna. And Faith. Today we want to talk to you all about the topic of pro-black isn't anti-white. Um, with recent incidents such as the murder of Alton Sterling and Philando Castile, we felt it was only right that we would talk about this topic. Mm-hmm. Very um, touchy, very touchy topic. Um, first we want to explain to you what it really means to be pro-black. Um, for us, and I think for lots of black, the black community, to say you're pro-black is not saying you're anti-something else other than anti-injustice. To be pro-black, it's simply saying we don't think that we are better than any others. We don't think we should be treated better than any others, but we do think we should be treated fairly, just mm-hmm. like everyone else. All we want is equality and justice. Mm-hmm. The same way that a white person's murder is portrayed in the media and how they are given a fair trial we believe that black lives also deserve the same treatment the same way that um a white criminal or suspect is is portrayed in the media or are how they're treated when in custody we feel that's the same way that a black person should be treated we simply want it to be equality we want to live in a world where when we're pulled over by the police, we don't have to wonder if we're going to come home to our families that night. We don't want to have to record our life just in case we die so that people can see what happens to us. We don't want to have to go into stores and be followed behind uh, or by an employee because they think we might steal something. We want it to be normal for us to be treated like everyone else. Um, And so that's really what we're saying when we say pro-black. We're banding together because for such a long time, there hasn't been any support for the black community. So black people are gathering together to say, hey, we matter too. Our lives are important too. Stop killing us. Stop killing our family members. We're tired of turning on the news and another one of us is dead. We're tired of going on social media and having to watch someone die to literally see someone gasp and take their last breath and for the world to not even bat their eyes other than the black community. So- mm-hmm. That's what we're saying when we say pro-black. It's not, we don't hate white people. I have lots of white friends. Um, Faith, I'm sure you have white friends as well. I do. I've even dated white men. It's not saying we hate white people. We're saying that we want to be counted and cared for just like anybody else. Yeah, and for me, I think pro-black is also just being proud of your heritage and your culture. Just like, you know, some white people might say um, white white power or, you know, um, just praising their heritage and their culture. But no one, you know, flags them or criticizes them for that. But when someone says melanin on fleek or you know, pro-black or black girl magic, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, it's always like, oh, you're being racist. You're being a black racist. And it's not the case. Right. Exactly. So, um, and that's another good point. It's saying like, why is it assumed to say pro-black, you're racist or black lives matter. Oh, you're racist. No, no one. I mean, yes, black people have said for hundreds of years when people say white power, 
that's racist. And usually because it's it's tied to a cross KKK. being burned in someone's yard or a, or a black person hanging from a tree. But why does being pro one thing mean that you have to be anti something else? Or what does it have to be tied to being racist? Um, so we did want to talk about things like that, the Black Lives Matter movement, as well as different terms of empowerment for the black community, such as hashtag black girl magic. Black girl magic is a term used to illustrate the universal awesomeness of black women. It's about celebrating anything we deem particularly dope, inspiring, or mind blowing about ourselves. And that definition came from a Huffington Post article. Um, black girl magic was actually created by Kashawn Thompson um, and she said in the LA Times, I say magic because it's something that people don't always understand. Sometimes our accomplishments might seem to come out of thin air because a lot of times the only people supporting us are other black women. Michelle Obama was frank about, about this in her speech at the Black Girls Rock Awards when she said, often hear voices that tell you that you're not good enough, that you have to look a certain way, act a certain way, that if you speak up, you're too loud. If you step up to lead, you're being bossy. Um, so, you know, the term black girl magic came about simply to say we're magical. You know, a lot of times we, we face so much adversity in our lifetimes. And sometimes you do look and say, how did she get there? How did this woman become so accomplished? How did we get a black president after so, so much adversity and slavery, the civil rights movement, magic? That's how. So it's really more of a term of endearment and empowerment when we faced hearing things like, oh, um, you're going on a job interview. Well, you better straighten your hair, put a sewing in, wear a wig. Because, you know, girl, when you're trying to work in this world or when a certain person is interviewing you, they're not going to accept your look, even though it's the hair that grew from your head. Um, so it's our way of saying that you are enough. You are good enough. You are beautiful. You're amazing. So terms like black girl magic or melanin on fleek, it's embracing that. A lot of times we see a lot of women, we've talked about this in the light skin versus dark skin. A lot of women are now using um, skin bleaching creams. Azealia Banks just um, spoke out about it, that she's bleached her, she's bleaching her skin now. And she was one of the main people talking about um, loving her brown skin and she's even said that it's harder for a dark-skinned woman in in this in, in her industry or in this world and now she's lightened her skin um, we see Lil Kim lightening her skin as well so when you hear things like melanin or melanin on fleek it's just us saying stop stop trying to conform to this world stop trying to say that God made a mistake when he created you at the skin tone he created you because God made no mistakes when he created your skin tone in that manner that beautiful brown skin when he gave you those kinky curls he didn't do it on accident and so anyone in his in this world who tries to tell you that God made a mistake that your hair shouldn't look like that that your skin's too dark then they're wrong they're wrong. They need to take that up with the Lord himself. Because last time I checked, when God did things, he, he didn't make any mistakes. Yeah, I definitely agree. And then you see a lot of it, hashtag melanin on fleek or just hashtag melanin or hashtag black girl magic. Actually, Taraji P. Henson also did uh, those type of hashtags on her social media. And she got flagged for it, which I thought was 
very, very uncalled for. She posted um, a post saying her hair defies gravity. Her skin absorbs sunlight. Um, and it was a very beautiful post. She did hashtag mood, hashtag South Africa, hashtag the motherland, hashtag black is fucking beautiful, proud black woman. So, and for me, I definitely agree with her, but uh, apparently one of her fans didn't agree with her. Um, someone actually commented on her post saying all women are beautiful, not just black women. Empower beauty in all women, not just your race. Hashtag black racist. She, of course, commented back to him. Um, very uh, explicit. She didn't hold back anything she wanted to say to him. She did uh, say a couple of cuss words. So I'll um, quote her. Uh, Shut up, Dora, and go somewhere and be proud of who you are. What does celebrating my black beauty have to do with being a racist? You are ignorant and clueless. Maybe chill on the steroids. It's affecting your small little pea brain. F-O-H, chump. By the way, you label yourself king. True kings don't get in their feelings. Queens do. Bye, bitch. And for me, what I said earlier with, you know, people getting offensive to women or people of color being proud of their, uh, their skin color, proud of their race, using those type of movements and those type of hashtags, um, I feel like is it some type of guilt thing with, you know, ancestors and the whole slavery thing back in the day? Or is it just jealousy? How come you can be proud of your race? But when we try to be proud of our race, it's flagged for. Just because Taraji P. Henson is saying, um, are showing pro, uh, support for the black community, isn't her saying that anything negative about any other community? Yes, true. How about beauty for all? Yeah, beauty for all. But right now, it's black women who aren't being shown their beauty. Um, it's black women who aren't appreciating their worth. It's black women who have to conform or feel that they need to conform. So it's kind of like if you have children, while you love all children equally, if one child is hurting, you show them a little more attention at that moment. It doesn't mean you love your ch other children any less, but at that moment in time, that particular child is the child that's hurting. And that's the one that you show that love for and you build them up till they're good again and you still attend to your other kids i'm sure taraji p henson is a supporter of women as a whole but she also recognizes the fact that there are little black girls out there who don't feel beautiful who feel the pressure to conform to society who hate their skin tone who hate their hair i remember growing up and telling my mom mom why can't i wear my hair down like my other friends and she would tell me because your hair you don't have the same hair texture as your friends do. And um, I know lots of my black friends, I've talked to them, and they, when they were little girls, they would put towels on their head to make it seem like they had long, flowy hair because that's not the hair they were given. And we're now in a place where we're trying to teach our kids, you don't need to put that towel on your head. You don't need long, flowy hair. Love your puffs. Love your fro. Love your curls. Embrace your kinky hair. You are just as beautiful. Embrace who you are. You don't need bleaching cream. Love the skin you're in the same way we have all these campaigns about full size plus size women and it's love the skin you're in love your curves we're saying the same thing that's what the whole pro-black is saying it's 
It's let's stop bashing. Let's stop trying to change it. And let's embrace ourselves and be happy with the skin we're in. Yeah, I definitely agree. Celebrating black beauty is not synonymous uh, with downplaying the beauty of any other race. And also another example with the hashtags, uh, hashtag Black Lives Matter is not saying Black Lives Matter more than white lives. Honestly, any uh, form of group can take Latino lives matter, animals lives matter, black lives matter. Any group can take that, but obviously all lives matter. You know, it's like if you're in, if you start a business with four people and you guys make a profit and everybody split y'all profit three ways and you didn't get your share, you're saying, oh, I deserve my share. And they respond to you. Everyone deserves their share. That does nothing to rectify the fact that you didn't get your share. So that's what we're saying when we say Black Lives Matter. We're saying, hey, everybody else's lives seem to matter more than our lives. Hey, our lives matter too. You know, I've seen strangers and people cry and, you know, uh, sign petitions over a a gorilla. Yes, animals' lives, you know, obviously matter and, and, you know, they are a part of the earth. But when you can cry and get so angry at a gorilla passing, you know, because of a protection of a boy and don't even bat an eye when two black guys get gunned down for essentially no real good reason, it's a problem in our society. And honestly, if you can't see why everyone's saying black lives matter and everybody is seeing the injustice, you are honestly part of the problem. Right. And for those that do say hashtag all lives matter, act like it. Act like all lives matter. That's cool. I'm all for hashtag all lives matter, but act like it. When a white person dies, stand up for them. When a black person dies, stand up for them. When a Middle Eastern person dies, stand up for them. When an Asian person dies, stand up for them. Act like all lives matter. Now, granted, we are we are talking about within rights. We're not going to support true criminal activity for serial killers out there. We're not going to say, we're not talking about that, but... When it's time to band together, when social injustice occurs, stand up for all lives, regardless of race, sexual orientation, gender, stand up for those people. And going back to the black girl magic, Beyonce also got flagged for her performance um, at the Super Bowl in February. I think it was February 2016 when she did the whole um panther type look with an all black cast and everybody got offense to it saying oh if it was you know the other way around you know we would have gotten mad but it's a difference between black panthers and quote-unquote the kkk you know black panthers were in defense when the kkk came out so for me i feel like with beyonce being proud of her heritage of her blackness And she wanted to show that at the Super Bowl. And she had every right to show it at the Super Bowl. Just like everybody hosts pride um, marches and pride movements, nobody is flagged for that. Oh, you know, they're too proud of being homosexual or being bisexual. Beyonce was in that moment showing her pride for being black. Right. Um, exactly. And it's freedom of speech. Everyone wants to talk about they can say whatever they want and do whatever they want. That's the first thing that you hear when someone says something offensive is First Amendment. I can say whatever I want. Well, same thing for Beyonce. She's an artist. So that's her creative right. If she wants to have an all black cast, 
that's no different than how, how many years has have black people not been allowed in certain things. That's her right. That's her, It's her performance. If that's mm-hmm. what she chose to do, and if this is the creative message that she was trying to send, that's her right. And also, at least she started a conversation. Whether you agree with her um, choice in, uh, in her wardrobe and her casting or not, at least the conversation has taken place. Yeah. Okay, moving along, we wanted to talk about the speech by Jesse Williams, which was at the BET Awards. Um, and I will as quickly as I can read said speech to you because I think it's important that we're talking about it but I don't think a lot of people have really paid attention to the messaging of the speech and actually what he said yeah and a lot of people haven't even watched the BET Awards um I don't think you know everybody watches the BET Awards right I think it'll be good so Jesse Williams and I quote said peace peace thank you Deborah thank you BET thank you Nate Parker Harry and Debbie Allen for participating in that before we get into it I just want to say I brought my parents out tonight I just want to thank them for being here for teaching me to focus on comprehension over career and that they make sure I learn what the schools were afraid to teach us and I also thank my amazing wife for changing my life now this award this is not for me this is not the real This is for the real organizers all over the country, the activists, the civil rights attorneys, the struggling parents, the families, the teachers, the students that are realizing that a system built to divide and impoverish and destroy us cannot stand if we do. It's kind of basic mathematics. The more we learn about who we are and how we got here, the more we will mobilize. Now, this is also in particular for the black women in particular who have spent their lifetimes dedicated to nurturing everyone before themselves. We can and will do better for you. Now, what we've been doing is looking at the data and we know that police somehow managed to de-escalate and disarm and not kill white people every day. So what is so what's going to happen is we are going to have equal rights and justice in our own country or we will restructure their function and ours. Now, I got more, y'all. Yesterday would have been young Tamir Rice's 14th birthday, so I don't want to hear any more about how far we've come when paid public servants can pull a drive-by on 12-year-old playing alone in the park in broad daylight, killing him on television, and then going home to make a sandwich. Tell Rakia Boyd how it's so much better than it is to live in 2012 than it is to live in 1612 or 1712. Tell that to Eric Garner. Tell that to Sandra Bland. Tell that to Dorian Hunt. Now the thing is, though all of us in here getting money, that alone isn't going to stop this. All right now, dedicating our lives, dedicating our lives to getting money just to give it right back for someone's brand on our body when we spent centuries praying with brands on our bodies and now we pray to get paid for brands on our bodies. There has been no war that we have fought have not fought and died on the front lines of there has been no job we haven't done there is no tax that haven't levied against us and we've paid all of them but freedom is somehow always conditional here you're free they keep telling us but she would have been alive if she hadn't acted so free now freedom is always coming in the hereafter but you know what though The hereafter is a hustle. We want it now. And let's get a couple of things straight. Just a little side note. The burden of the brutalized is not 
to comfort the bystander. That's not our job, all right? Stop with all that. If you have a critique for the resistance, for our resistance, then you better have an established record of critique of our oppression. If you have no interest, if you have no interest in equal rights for black people, then do not make suggestion to those who do. Sit down. We've been floating this country on credit for centuries, yo. And we're done watching and waiting while the invention called whiteness uses and abuses us, burying black people out of sight and out of mind while extracting our culture, our dollars, our entertainment like oil, black gold, ghettoizing and demeaning our creations, then stealing them, gentrifying our genius, and then trying us on like costumes before discarding our bodies like rinds of strange fruit. The thing is, though, the thing is that just because we're magic doesn't mean we're not real. Thank you. Um, in that speech, a lot of people that speech caused a lot of controversy. A lot of people saying that um, Jesse Williams was racist. A little, maybe not known fact. If you did watch the BET when they pan to his parents, his mother's white, so he's a biracial man. He has white family members, and if you really listen to what his speech is saying, it's a call to action to say we want equality and also to tell black people to do better. Um, when he spoke about the brands on your body, for hundreds of years, black people were branded, literally stamped, to mark them or identify them as slaves. And now the brands are everybody wants to be a sponsor um, of some type of product. So that's what he's talking about. We're so focused. It's, you know, you just changed how the branding looks. For black women, he's saying, a lot of people say, oh, well, you got six kids and you living on welfare. Black women do need help. So his speech was not um, a call to racism, a call to violence. His speech was saying, as black people, yay, getting money. That's the goal. We need a better goal. We need to formulate, get together, and, and stand up strategically to get equal rights because we do not have equal rights as it is today. And for those who do try to do cultural appropriation, meaning to take um, pieces of another person's culture and use them in themselves, i.e. Kylie Jenner's boxer braids or these new fuller lips with lip injections and the booty shots and all of these things. If people would like to appropriate culture, then they should also support the culture that they're appropriating. Yeah. Um, and it's not just that. There's lots of cultural appropriation going on. But however, we are talking about the topic of pro-black. So that's what we're going to focus on. His point is that if it's good enough to entertain you, it should be good enough to, to protect. Yeah, I definitely loved his speech. I saw the um, BT Awards live, and I definitely um, praised him for um, being so active about it. He have gotten flagged for it. Um, a man did uh, do a petition on Change.org to try to get him fired from Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. So I mean, I feel like it. It, it obviously rubbed, you know. Um, people the wrong way but I feel like whenever you do uh, get into the pro-black um, it rubs people the wrong way regardless of you know if they're famous or if it's just a regular person doing a hashtag movement on their social media and it also rubbed um, Tommy Lauren the wrong way I'm not sure if um, any of you are familiar with her yeah I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with her she um, is a commentator 
for a, a show called The Blaze. And she's had some very, dis- in my eyes, disturbing things to say about uh, Jesse Williams and his BT speech. First off, she called the whole BT Awards very black. And to me, I feel like BT, it's what it stands for, black entertainment television. So of course, it's going to come out very ethnic versus the Grammys or versus the uh, Oscars Awards. So for me, um, her saying that was maybe a little ignorant on her part in my eyes. But she also, um, and I will quote her, and she basically um, dismantled Jesse Williams' speech by accusing him, saying that he was waging a war on cops. And I feel like that was uh, very dangerous for her to say. Um, And she also said, and I quote, she took the term unarmed black man from uh, Jesse Williams' speech as meaning, and she quoted, doesn't tell the whole story in most cases. In a number of cases, if the victim ended up being unarmed, it was certainly not for a lack of trying. Grabbing an officer's gun or using other equipment to beat the police doesn't give you a free pass. And I think another thing, I don't believe that um, she actually even read the speech because also in his speech, he said that we've been doing, we've been doing what we've been doing is looking at the data which is something that Tommy needs to learn how to do as a journalist it's called research um and we know that police somehow managed to de-escalate disarm and not kill white people every day so what's going to happen is we are going to have equal rights and justice in our own country or we will restructure their functions and ours nowhere in that statement did he call for violence he's simply saying that if you can find a way to disarm a white person you should be able to find a way to disarm a black person um so really her statement is irrelevant and um I've noticed that a lot of things that she said she hasn't really done her research it's kind of more going off of assumptions and what she thinks sounds nice or what people have maybe told her over the years of her life um but that's a very dangerous thing I'm all for having uh differing opinions on things but what I'm not for is when your differing opinion is not based upon fact and also when you are on a public platform and you're calling for very dangerous things to say things like that, that that's not telling the whole story is to assume that no, it's, it can't be possible that black people are unarmed. Like, come on, they're black. They gotta be, you know, they crazy. Why would you say that you have people listening to you and believing you and people who won't go home and do their own research and won't take the time to figure out the facts for themselves. So when you're on that platform and you say things like that, that they're not telling the whole story, you're causing people to have paranoia and to believe, right. to, To believe that, that it's not true that black people must surely be armed. They're savages. They're beasts. They're these crazy people that you must control. You must kill them because there's no other way. You can't take a gun from a black man. You only can shoot him because there's no other way. And that's what we are trying to disbunk is saying, look, stop the violence. This is not even about a war on white versus black. This is about how can we have equal treatment there are rambunctious white people there are white people Columbine was white people okay mm-hmm. that was destruction the killing of the ch- of the children at Sandy Hook was a white man so the guy who shot up the theater 
a white man. So what we're saying is don't sit here and, and, and put into the media or put into the world that black people are savages and have to be killed when there are other races that are out here killing and taking lives. Yeah, I think what she did was definitely a disservice to uh, her viewers, whether they're black viewers, white viewers, um, whatever ethnicity her viewers are, or if she has a mixture of those ethnicities, I definitely think that it was dangerous for her to put that out in people's minds. Right, and another very dangerous um person who I don't even know how was elected to Congress is Joe Walsh who tweeted three Dallas cops killed seven wounded this is now war watch out Obama watch out Black Lives Matter punks real America is coming after you Joe Walsh you are trying to start a riot you are trying to start a war and that's very dangerous you are literally saying you want it it's coming it's on let's all go to war white versus black how can you even threaten the president? You literally threatened the leader of the free country. President Obama. He just called him Obama, like which is another disrespect. Right. And for me, I still don't understand what he mean by real America. Is that just, oh, okay, we were here first, real America. Right. Like, who says that? And you are a former congressman, so you should know better. You should know better. Um, and Walsh said on his, in an interview with Don Lemon that he stands by his tweet. And he said, when people on the street hear president of the United States time after time say that there is racism in police departments all over the country, man, that kind of hating leads to what you got in Dallas. Um, he also said to say there is systemic racism, Don, means that most cops around the country are racist or most police departments are racist and that he does not believe that the police departments are racist. Well, I don't think all, I don't think any of us think that all police departments are racist. Um, and I will say this, that, um, President Obama, since he says that President Obama is inciting violence against police officer, President Obama said in a statement on Thursday, when people say black lives matter, it doesn't mean that blue lives don't matter. Joe, did you hear that? Did you even listen to what the president said? Let me repeat it for you. When people say black lives matter, it doesn't mean that blue lives don't matter. But right now, the data shows that black folks are more vulnerable to these kinds of incidents. There is a particular burden that is being placed on a group of our fellow citizens. And that's what we're trying to say. The whole point of our our podcast episode today is saying just that nobody else's life does not matter. They Everybody's life matters. But right now, we are seeing an influx, an increase of death tolls in the black community, of crime, of racism against black people. And so it's people like Tommy and like Joe that are, are pouring gasoline on the fire to say something, to take something out of context, to just tell people, yeah, Obama, he, he hates us all. Like, let's get him. First of all, I've never like I've never seen the disrespect for any president like that. And then to try to incite a riot, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to t- to get people to go after the president to kill him? Are you trying to incite a riot to kill the president of the United States? And 
the Black Lives Matter movement has spoken out against the killing of the Dallas police officers. Alton Sterling's family has denounced the killings in Dallas. So if you actually paid attention, you would know that all of these groups and people are saying that what was done in Dallas was wrong. So I don't know how you can fix your mouth to say that the same people who are denouncing it, who are praying for the families of these police officers and of white families, that they're trying to incite violence. It's not making sense. It's like you're trying to do this spin doctor game and lie and deceive and try to get people mad for, for nothing. You're trying to make a war happen, a race war. We are already fighting so much in this world with ISIS. You're making it that much easier because united we stand, divided we fall. And the fact that you're, you want to call yourself a real American, but you're trying to divide America is a travesty. Yeah, and I definitely um, agree with uh, you, Bree, on his Twitter and all his take, it doesn't mean that we're saying, oh, all cops need to be killed and not fear for their lives. You know, if there is a, a suspect and he is posing a real threat, then obviously, you know, that's the force that you need to take. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case for Alton Sterling and Philandro uh, Castile. And uh, criminologist uh, Dr. Jen Marie, she actually talked about this on her Facebook page. And she uh, quotes, so before I start to see a bunch of Blue Lives Matter posts, I'm going to say a few things. One, Blue Lives have always mattered. This is why we, when an officer is killed or injured, there are manhunts, arrests, prosecutions, and convictions. America has always made it clear that we protect our officers. Two, Black Lives Matter as a movement uh, is a is a direct response to the historical fact that black lives have never mattered. Consider that a black boy born today has a 33% chance of seeing the inside of a correctional facility in his lifetime. In contrast, a white boy has an 11% chance. For given all this history of black hatred and oppression, I know all too well that when an unarmed black man is murdered by the police, there would be no justice. There will rarely be a prosecution and there will be no convictions because after all, America has never viewed black men or women as humans. They have always been treated as second class citizens. So while I acknowledge that blue lives matter because I believe all lives matter, you need to realize that black lives have never mattered in the United States. And that is why the Black Lives Matter movement is necessary. So stop trying to diminish their message by pretending a, a protected group needs further protection. Um, and I agree with what you just read, Faith, um, because even for the longest time, even if you um, paid attention in American history class, there was the three-fifths compromise, which allowed states to count three-fifths of each black person in determining political representation in the House. Black people weren't even counted as a full person. We were only counted as three-fifths of a person. So for me, it's more so I don't understand how people know the history we all went to this we all went to school we all went to elementary school we all were taught american history history how you can sit and ignore the facts or say i don't know what you're talking about like what the, racism didn't exist or just because black people aren't swinging from trees every day does not mean that racism has gone away 
has it has it gotten better to a certain degree yes but there's still improvement that needs to happen the fact that um you have to record the death and we have to watch people die on on social media shows you that clearly things aren't okay the fact that we have police officers who are scared of a certain race of people they're not just scared in general they're scared there are at least their fear is increased when they see a certain type of person um that's a problem you know the a law enforcement job is extremely dangerous and we we support the police department we we support law enforcement officers um but the fact that there are certain individuals who are hyper fearful of a certain type of person that they come across is a problem we need to get to a point where where there's equality unity and harmony to where police officers can go into the field and not be trigger happy and shoot a black man because he flinched or because he he tells you that he has a concealed weapons license and is legally authorized to carry said weapon and when he when you ask him to give you his identification and he goes for it, you shoot him four times in front of his small four-year-old child we need to get to a better place so it's not at all about hatred of white people it is everything to do with let's come together so everyone can keep calm that we can live in a place where black people don't get scared when they see a police officer and white and people don't get afraid when they stop a black person right and then the cop nakia jones um from cleveland she also talks about um uh, you know and sends her condolences to the families um because she's a cop um and she feels that if a cop is that scared of a certain race you can apply at a different police department to where you don't encounter that certain race as much. If you have a certain stereotype about a race, if you have a certain feeling about that race, why would you put yourself into that neighborhood where you constantly deal with these type of people? And honestly, if you're, for me, if you are that scared of a certain individual, every time you encounter them that you have to have your hand on a pistol to me, a, a police officer, a person with a gun and a badge that is so scared of somebody, that makes that person the most dangerous person out there. You are erratic and you're dangerous. So keep yourself out of that situation. Right, because firearms are dangerous as a whole and put give one to somebody who's scared. They are the most dangerous person out there. Make sure, like, just make sure that if you're gonna be carrying a weapon that you're responsible. And if you are gonna be fearful, fall back so we've talked about socially irresponsible people who have spoken out against this tragedy and kind of encouraged violence um but now i wanted to touch on which i was personally surprised to read but the atlanta journal constitution had an article where they said newt gingrich um spoke out and he said it is more dangerous to be black in america in a Facebook Live conversation recorded earlier Friday, former Speaker of the House and potential Republican vice presidential candidate Newt Gingrich said that despite increasing diversity in our police departments, it is substantially more likely to end up in a situation where the police don't respect you and where you could easily get killed. Speaking with CNN analyst Van Jones, Gingrich continued, It took me a long time and a number of people talking to me through the years to get a sense of this. If you are a normal white American, the truth is you don't understand being black in America and you instinctively underestimate the level of discrimination and the level of additional risk. I appreciate 
uh, Newt Gingrich saying that because it's true. If you haven't walked a mile in that person's shoes, you don't understand. And just because it's never happened to you doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. I can't say, I can't um, speak on behalf of a white woman because I'm not one. I can't understand whatever struggles she may have endured in her life or what it feels like to um, have white privilege and white guilt and walk it, live in a world where people may simply not like you because you're white or automatically assume you're racist because you're white. And a white woman can't understand what it's like to walk in my shoes as a black woman. So I, I really appreciate him saying that because it's true. Just because you haven't experienced it or because you can't relate doesn't mean that the issue is not there. And um, just what happened this past week with uh, Alton Sterling, um, who was gunned down uh, late Tuesday, uh, July 5th, after a homeless man uh, called the police saying that he was uh, threatening individuals with uh, his firearm. And it was all really a misunderstanding. So for me, the police could have handled it um, differently when approaching him. Um, the, the homeless guy was very persistent when asking Alton Sterling um, for cash. And Alton Sterling just showed him his pistol, telling him, you know, I told you, no, back away. Um, and he was out selling CDs when the cops came to confront him at the Triple S food market in Baton Rouge. And the, um, the, the convenience store clerk, he has a relationship with Alton Sterling for six years. And he gave him permission to sell those CDs in front of his store. Um, when when it occurred and um, I don't know if anybody have seen this video of Alton Sterling it is very disturbing I have watched it uh, myself and it's something that you definitely can't unsee um, and it, it definitely bothers me and rubs me the wrong way um, Alton Sterling was a 37 year old black man um, and he just had his birthday, according to um, articles that I've read. So he hasn't been 37 for that long. And it's unfortunate that he couldn't even make it to C40 because, in a sense, the color of his skin and just being stereotyped as someone that's violent. Um, obviously, uh, they already pulled up that he has um, criminal records um, and everything like that. Yes, um, but the thing about that is... That even though now people want to bring into light now that the the issue the incident has occurred and people have time to do their research, when the police officers pulled up on the scene, they did not know his history. They didn't even know who they were pulling up to. They were pulling up to a black male in a red shirt who was presumed to be armed. They didn't know his history. They didn't know about any prior convictions that he had. So a lot of people on social media are saying, oh, well, it's okay that he died. He's a felon what like how are you saying that's okay like literally think about what you're saying you're saying it's okay that this man is dead because he was a felon anyway or it's okay he he if he hadn't had a gun he would have he would have been alive but isn't that what the nra and everyone who's pro-gun is fighting for the right to be armed um so to me that just makes no sense at the end of the day no one knew this man had prior convictions before so even if he did that still doesn't justify his death him being pinned to the ground helpless 
to, and die, and getting shot in the chest and having all this blood gushing out of his chest and leaving his five children to be fatherless. You cannot justify that in saying, well, he was a criminal anyway, because they didn't know that when they pulled up on the scene. And that mm-hmm. could have been anybody. Like, at the end of the day, this man could have been an attorney. You don't know that when you're right. pulling up on the scene unless you run his records, but you didn't even know his name to pull his records. Right. Didn't even have any type of ID. And then for him to have these five children with the oldest being 15, he had babies that he was trying to live for, that he was trying to make a living for. Um, he would had permission to sell those CDs um, in front of that convenience store. And according to an article that I read, um, it was a lady who occasionally saw him in front of that convenience store. And she said that she bought CDs from him and he never came across as a violent man to her. Right. You know, she said, if anything, if he had a firearm, it was, because of the fear of possibly being robbed. Think of anybody, uh, a white man, a Latino man, a black man, an Asian man. If you're doing anything out late, especially with something being of value, you're going to carry something to keep yourself protected because you have things of value. And that's why we have the right to bear arms. Right. To protect ourselves. Exactly. So if anything, the homeless man who called after harassing him that was pretty much a false call to 911. He should be arrested. He should be arrested and charged. And then the next day, you have Philando Castile, who gets shot uh, during a recent, just a normal traffic um, stop. They were pulled over for a faulty taillight, and he informed the officer that he was licensed to carry a firearm. Um, and the officer, he walked the officer through everything he was doing. He let the officer know that he had a firearm and he was reaching for his wallet. And the officer just shot him in the arm four times with a, with his four-year-old daughter and his girlfriend in the car. That bullet could have ricocheted and hit either one of them as well. And luckily, thankfully, they weren't hurt. But that was definitely a, a bad call on the officer. Right. It's just the way things are being handled and just the reaction that people are saying, like, um, he, he had never been arrested. So um, there wasn't unlike Alton, there wasn't this whole, oh, well, he's a felon because that wasn't the case. This man was a supervisor, a nutritional supervisor for a Montessori school. He was a leader amongst um, his peers. However, people are now coming to say, well, he had traffic violations, which I think is a bunch of crap, in my opinion, because there are 70 year old women that have traffic violations like that it's it's an offense but come on like right like for me it's more so don't try to find justifications for the loss of life that's absolutely absurd if you can find that it is absolutely absurd for the dallas police officers to be shot because they were white police officers then you can say that you can't tell me that well he had traffic violations. He, he deserved to die. Uh, at least he won't have any more speeding tickets. Like, when you can justify things like that in ways that are just absolutely crazy, then there's a problem. And that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the big thing. Even with all this um, backlash against the Black Lives Matter movement, if you really took the time to listen, to pay attention, to see what the mission statement is, to see what the values are, when those police officers died... Black people mourned. Black people prayed for those families. We're not saying, uh, yay, you killed them. No. If anything, we're like, y'all, that's not how this works. This is not an eye for an eye is not how you're going to get um, 
justice or how we're going to make progress. Yeah, it's not like a revenge type thing. In my opinion, um, I always feel like an eye for an eye, in my opinion, leaves the world blind. So you can't go around saying, well, they shoot enough black people. Every time I get stopped, I'm just going to, you know, shoot up a cop. Um, which happened in uh, Baldwin, Missouri as well. Um, a cop stopped a, a guy for speeding. And when he went to go um, run his uh, plates and run his information, he shoots him in the back. And, you know, he obviously has that mentality. Oh, well, they think we're going to shoot the cop, so I'm going to do it anyway. You know, but in my opinion, it's not a revenge. It's not... Oh, let's get them. Let's get them. Let's start this war. We're talking about having unity. Right. Because Philando, he was a 32 year old man and he is a week shy from his birthday. His birthday is actually on my mom's birthday. And when I saw that, I was like, I can't even believe that he can't even make it to 33 years old. And so th- that's the thing. It, when people say that about the pro-black movement, it we're it's not right. but it's not about being racist oh, against another group. It's simply saying that if we we mourn, when white people die, we mourn. When Sandy Hook occurred, we mourned. When um Orlando happened, we mourned. When Paris happened, we mourned. When Belgium happened, we mourned. But when Alton Sterling died, it was supposedly okay. When Philando Castile died, he got what he deserved. That's an issue. All we're saying is that if it, if we can mourn a gorilla, we can mourn a black person. Mm-hmm. And also going from so going from that, also another issue or part of the problem is that people really are uneducated. Um, going back to Jesse Williams' speech, Wendy Williams had stirred up a bit of controversy for herself when she made comments on HBCUs and the NAACP. Um, Wendy Williams went on to she went on to say that I would be I would be really offended if there was a school that was known as a historically white college. We have historically black colleges. What if there was a national organization for white people only? There's the NAACP. National speeches like this will always rub people the wrong way, just like white people will be offended because Spelman College is historically black college for women. You might feel funny about that. I know I'd feel funny, like I just told you, if there was a white college or whatever. Look, everybody's quiet. You're leaving me out here to dry by myself. One wrong word. I'm choosing my words carefully. But what I am saying is racism sucks and we can all do better in our households, educating ourselves and teaching our children to make better to, to to make it better. The problem with Wendy Williams' speech, uh, Roland Martin, I think he said it best in his uh, tell on his show News One Now. Um, he said that first of all, he began by detailing the origins of the NAACP, um, which was founded by both blacks and whites. Martin explained that the NAACP was born out of the Niagara movement and then said, if you're bothered to read something, you would realize that. He later added, white folks have always been members of the NAACP. Always. Martin then turned his attention to Williams' remarks about HBCUs. Historically black colleges and university, Wendy, was a federal designation given in 1965 to recognize these historical universities. One of the reasons why you don't have historically white universities is simply because we call them universities. The fact of the matter, if you move around the country, you will see universities that are 70, 80 percent, 90, 95 percent white. We live in a world where, frankly, we have to set apart if you, where we have things set apart if you're black. 
You've never heard somebody say Hillary Clinton met with a group of white pastors. No, because they simply say pastors, but they'll say she met with black pastors. What is mainstream has always been white in America. You should know that, right? Because you do know that for your show, you do know that you go to the black ad agencies, which are different from ad agencies. Your ratings, they separate your black female viewers from female viewers. If you actually bother to read a book and not gossip magazines, you might know these things. When you're on TV and you have no idea what you're talking about, shut the hell up. Don't open your mouth. Don't embarrass yourself because you sound silly. Um, and R Roland really was speaking the truth. For me, when I heard Wendy Williams say that, and I get what she was saying, she then came back and tried to defend herself um, a second time on her show, saying that her father went to a historically black college, and all she was saying that is in 2016, we shouldn't have to be separated or segregated. Um, and she was also called the the older version of Stacey Dash. When Stacey Dash said on Fox and Friends in January, uh, uh, in in response to the Oscar nominations, I think it's ludicrous. Either you want to be segregated or you want to be integrated. And if you want to be integrated, then you don't need to have things like BET or the BET Awards or the Image Awards where you have to be black in order to win. If white people did that, everyone would be up in arms. I understand Wendy and I understand Stacy. The problem with both of them is they're out of touch with reality. Both of them have reached a level of success that many don't. Benny don't know and it goes back to what we were saying um what Newt Gingrich said just because Gingrich said just because you don't have that or you don't see it it doesn't affect you doesn't mean it doesn't exist and that's the fact that the reason why there is a BET the reason why there is an NAACP the reason why there are HBCUs is because there's still a need for them I understand what Wendy said and Stacey you're right we shouldn't have to need these things. You are totally 100% right. In 2016, we should not need a BET. We should not need an NAACP. But the reality is, if you turn on your news, open your newspaper, there is a need for both mm -hmm. of these things or for all of these things because segregation still exists, whether you want to admit it or not. And Stacey has, you know, a track record of saying, in my opinion, idiotic things or uneducated things. Like when she called Jesse Williams a plantation slave after his BT, you know, uh, acceptance speech. Right. And that's the thing with Stacey Dash. She says, oh, you know, we don't need these things or if everyone would fall in line. Well, here's the thing, Stacey. I don't see you wearing your Dion braids anymore. Back in Clueless, when you had your box braids. <laughs> I you loved her in Clueless. You, you've taken, you've gone away from your box braids. We've never seen them in your head since. Uh, and while, yes, you could say that was a character you portrayed, but here's the thing. You're, you're out of touch with what's happened. You have, if you want to call it, you've um, improved or grown and changed your look over the years, but you have fallen in line. And that's the problem. The problem is that we're trying to create a world where we don't have to have straightened hair where we don't have to just have green eyes or lighter skin tones to be heard, where we don't have to fall in line and act a certain way to be accepted. We want to live in a world where if you wear box braids, if you wear your afro, where you wear your hair in bantu knots, that you're still accepted. If you're mel if you have a bit more melanin in your skin tone, you're still accepted. We don't want to live in a world where we have to put a blonde wig on our head, Wendy, or um, walk a certain way, act a certain way that we would be judged. 
just as Martin Luther King said, judge me by the content of my character, not the color of my skin. And I, and that's where the problem comes in. The problem is that, yes, in 2016, we still need these things to exist. And so that's where we're coming from. When we talk about these matters, it is that there is still a need for these things. And even if you don't, if you don't experience it in your own life, there was a time. Uh, I very much so watched several black produced, black directed um, movies and Stacey Dash is in them. If you don't feel that there's a need for BET, stop being in black produced, black directed films because you don't need to do that. Why don't you just be, be in films? So it goes back to being socially responsible and not denying it. If you don't experience in your life, that's great that you're on Fox and Friends. That's great that you're a Republican. I have no, no qualms about any being different, but don't deny or turn a blind eye to what does occur. Just as we said in our light skin, dark skin episode, I, as a light skin woman, I don't always know everything that faith has to, had to endure. Um, and it would be ignorant of me to not acknowledge that I have a certain advantage at times due to the lightness of my skin tone. That would be socially irresponsible. Should I apologize for it? No. But I, it would be foolish of me and irresponsible of me to say, oh, well, I don't have those struggles. I don't know what it's like to be made fun of for being dark skinned. I don't know what it's like to um, get picked on because of this, that, and the third. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen to other people. So for what Wendy said and for what Stacy says, yes, we should live in a world where none of this matters, where we could just go to universities and we could just be on television and, you know, we could all just band as one. But the reality is that until the system changes, it won't be until we stop justifying the deaths of certain people, even in um, even in Middle Eastern uh, um, community. You can't tell me that when you see a Middle Eastern person in a uh, in a airport, you don't side eye them. And that's a problem. All Middle Eastern people aren't aren't terrorists. When you see a woman in a hijab uh, trying to show reverence for her her religion or her culture, you don't get a little shifty. But that's because also how they're portrayed in the media and it's because of our ignorance in accepting that all people don't act the same way. Just like white people, there are some lovely white police officers in this world. Some of the nicest. Like Tommy uh, Norman. I love him. I actually follow him on Instagram. Yes, Tommy and Norman, he does community policing as, as he calls it on his Instagram. Yeah, and I definitely, um, you know, love looking at his Instagram. I think seeing that empowers me, you know, knowing that, hey, you know, there are people who take humanity as a gift. You know, he's not saying, oh, you're black. I don't want to, you know, talk to you. I don't want to deal with you or I have to treat you a certain way because of it. Or, oh, you're Latino. I have to treat you a certain way because of it. He really takes that we are all humans. We we all bleed the same color. Right. You know, under our skin tone, we're the same people. Um, right. So, I mean, exactly. If more people are more police officers would be like Tommy. And also if we could keep calm heads, I, um, a friend of mine posted on Facebook, uh, an article from a black man who said he was stopped by police and he too had a concealed weapons license. And he calmly spoke to the police officer. He notified him that he had a concealed weapons, uh, permit and the officer disarmed him and, 
he they had a conversation and they went their separate ways. It's, that was a mutual respect. I did see that article too. Right. And so that's what we're saying. We need police officers who are going to be in these communities who are going to get to know their community members like Tommy. Tommy knows these people by name. It's not, oh, large black man in a red shirt. That's Alton. It's um, it's not, you know, black man with dreads driving. That's Philando. And at the same time, we as black people can't be mad and say, oh, every white police officer's out here to kill us. Because that's not true. That's Tommy. That's Officer Tommy. And so I, our consensus overall, I think, in this episode, what we really want your takeaways to be is that, one, being pro-black, loving being black is not being anti-white. It's not being anti-anything other than anti-injustice. Um, and also, stop with the violence. Violence doesn't solve anything. Inciting violence, encouraging violence, uh, telling others that this is war. That's not the answer. We need to come together as a group of people in love, in understanding, in respect to solve these problems so that we can live in a world of harmony. And, and not a world in fear. Because Kim Kardashian, uh, she also came out with a statement, um, you know, because she has two black children with um, Kanye West. And she quotes, I want my children to grow up knowing that their lives matter. I do not ever want to have to teach my son to be scared of the police or tell him that he has to watch his back because the people we are told to trust, the people who protect and serve, may not be protecting and serving him because of the color of his skin. And I definitely, me being a mother, um, and I'm due to have a son in October, I definitely feel her pain because, in my opinion, and also have a black husband my two brothers are black and it would be, I would be lying if I didn't say that sometimes I fear for their safety when driving around or going to a club late at night. Oh, be careful. Oh, don't speed, drive safe. Don't give anybody any reason to pull you over. And it's sad that we have to teach our sons, our daughters, our brothers, you know, our husbands to, you know, not in the sense live in fear, but watch what they do and watch what, what they say. Because I also read an article, you know, and it was talking about seven um, white people who had guns in an altercation with cops and they are still alive to this day. They were able to defuse the situation and spare those individuals' lives. And I'm saying with that, with those examples, that could have been the same um, same result with Alton and it could have been the same result with Philandro. Right. So basically, you know, what we're saying is there should be mutual respect across the, the board. All lives do matter, but right now there is a heightened, um, issue with black lives mattering and that loving your race, whether it is white lives matter, whether it is uh, Latin lives matter, whether it is black lives matter, yes, they do, but we should all be able to, when we say all lives matter, all lives really should matter. And we shouldn't um, invoke violence. Um, we are, We would never tell anyone to to be violent. We don't support violence. We don't encourage violence. We respect law enforcement officers. And we too, we're pro-black and pro-police officers. We love our melanin. We love our skin. We love our race. But we also have a respect for law enforcement officers. We have white friends that we love dearly and who love us dearly. But at the same time, that doesn't take away, that by us having white friends, by that us having respect for police officer, it does not take away our love for our black community and our pride in being black. So that's all we have for you guys. We hope that um, 
this was a good experience for you all. We hope that you enjoyed our conversation. If you have any questions or comments, please hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Use hashtag AskLT. Until next time. Bye.